But God has spoken something to me that he wants me to say today. And this is to the church. Okay? This is not a evangelistic message. This is not a... I mean, it, 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 can, it will bring salvation. But this is for you folks sitting here today. Okay? This is for us as the body of Christ. And I have simply entitled this, Don't Let Your Body or Your Soul Hold Back Your Spiritual Progress. In Romans chapter 1, verse 9, the scripture says this, and I don't even know if, if Brother Will William has gotten down to verse 9 yet or not, but, but I'm just going to preach it today. The Bible says here in Romans 1 verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son. I know that He says that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. That is just an outworking of God's spirit in our lives But the main focal point of that scripture that I want to preach today is God is a witness in our spirit whom we serve, who Paul said, I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. And then over to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Amen. I'll get there in just a second. I had to bring my big letter Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking you today to help me, not just in my voice, but God, that you would surface every thought, word, point, revelation that you want. God, bring it to my mind. Bring it in my spirit. Help me today to just slow down here for a second and teach and minister to this body today. Because, Lord, I know that this is what you want to say. I feel it in my spirit right now. I feel you, Lord, dealing with me and that you have purpose for this for such a time. I ask your blessing upon it in Jesus' most holy name. I pray, amen. Amen. I entitled this, Don't Let Your Body or Your Soul Hold Back Your Spiritual Progress. I opened with those two scriptures because I want you to understand the Apostle Paul's revelation of how we are to step out of that body well actually that we're comprised of body soul and spirit and that God wants us to step into that arena of really truly operating only in the spiritual realm I know that we will eat we have families we have relationships we have things of this world and natural things But he really wants us to be so in tune and aligned in the spiritual things because that's what's going to matter for eternity. If we've ever needed to focus 
on what will matter for eternity. It's now. And Paul focused a lot on being spirit-filled, even more on being spirit-led and not catering to our soul and our body. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, because he said, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You belong to God. This body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. He said, you've made it a lot of things. You've connected it to a lot of things, or you can, but you're not supposed to, amen? You're supposed to be a spirit-filled man or woman that everything comes in alignment to the Spirit of God. You bring that body into subjection. You bring that soul into subjection under the spiritual things and God's Word. And we see here the last part of 1 Corinthians 6, 19, verse 2. Verses 19 and 20, he ends with glorify God in your body and your spirit. Now our opening text in Thessalonians 5.23 teaches that after several exhorts from the Apostle Paul, like pray without ceasing and quench not the spirit, and I'll, I'll read the rest of them. He, he says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good, and abstain from the appearance of evil. He begins to go into this emphasis of sanctification of the whole man or the whole person, body, soul, and spirit. And why does he say that? Because he understands the trinity of man. You know, he understands the trinity of man, that we are made of body, soul, and spirit. Our body is our sense consciousness. Our soul is our intellect and our consciousness of our emotions and our will. And our spirit is our consciousness to God. Okay? We're made up of, of three different parts, body, soul, and spirit. And God so purposed in my heart today for, for me to preach this. This is not out of a book. It's out of this book. But it's not out of a book. It's not a sermon out of a sermon book. It's something God spoke to me in my spirit in prayer. Because as we draw closer to the coming of the Lord and the rapture of the church and the end of all things, we need to be ready and not a people who are caught up in soulish things or fleshly things, but we're so in tune with spiritual things that we are well aware of what's going on and we're spiritually prepared for what's getting ready to take place. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Our body, which is our flesh, and our soul, which is our emotions, intellect, and self-will, can never, should never, be the influencer to our spirit. Did you hear me? Our body, which is our flesh, and our soul, which is our emotions, our intellect, our self-will, should never or can never be the influencer to our spirit. It must be the other way around. That was Adam and Eve's big cardinal problem in the Garden of Eden. They moved away from the spiritual into a place of natural and focusing upon things of the flesh. The, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now we run into great danger and confusion spiritually when we allow the body and the soul to affect our spiritual life and our spiritual man. 
I want to just give you a natural example so you can kind of understand. Does anybody in here know what it means to have the separation of church and state? Now, if you don't understand that, I'll explain it to you very simply. That is just the separation of the government and the church. But how often does the government want to bleed over and influence the church? You say, well, the same thing applies with the church trying to bleed over into the government. I'll agree with you. But I'm going to tell you today, there is this separation between the two. But for one part, to be influenced is a good thing. For the other part, to be influenced is a bad thing. The church will change a culture if they will begin to influence a government or a culture with God and His Word. So that's a positive. That's a good thing. And if, and, and, but the, the counterpart of that is that the world wants to influence and change the culture inside the church, the way we are, our standards, what we believe. They already tried to do that and have for many years. But COVID taught us how they really want to infringe upon our religious freedoms. I'm grateful for that beautiful piece of paper called the Constitution that has kept them from completely infiltrating and influencing the church to tell us what we can and cannot do concerning our worship of our God, the only true God. Now why did I say that? So I could give you an illustration of how. There is this in the spiritual realm, the soul and the flesh that wants to absolutely permeate your spirit man and render him absolutely powerless or ineffective or discouraged because you see that things aren't happening like you read in the Bible. I'm sure you've even said I read it in the Bible, but how come it's not working in my life? Well, I'm going to tell you something today. There has to be this separation, soul and flesh, soul and body from spirit, so that we can understand, connect with God. And once we're spirit-filled, once we've been touched by God, once we've come alive, to spiritual things, then we can begin to influence the flesh and the soul. But a lot of times, what happens even after we have been saved, born again, spirit-filled, that soul and that flesh wants to come over and mesh and mix, and it brings great confusion. It brings great turmoil, discouragement, disappointment. So you have to make sure that you decipher between the two. And I'm going to give you Bible. I got tons today. First of all, before I go any further, I want to say this. Egypt and Babylon affected God's people. Egypt was still in the children of Israel 40 years later. They couldn't even go into the promised land. The only two 
that shed enough of Egypt or all of Egypt was Joshua and Caleb. So, and Babylon, whenever they came in and they occupied and took over Israel and besieged them and took all of the Israelites into captivity, whenever God brought the revival through Nehemiah and Ezra, of restoration back to Jerusalem, there were people in Babylon that were Israelis that never went back. They were happy being in Babylon. So there is this influence that can take place in the natural, and I hope you're getting my understanding. But on the flip side of that, Jonah, even being, in my opinion, not the greatest preacher in the world. He affected a nation. Because he, through great chastening, responded to God. Don't cause God to have to put you through so much stuff to wake you up. To line up in the spirit. Oh, somebody just got set free. <laughs> this is why we need the word to be preached. Because as Hebrews 12 and 13 says, and I'm going to read it to you. We quote things all the time. The word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. People stop right there almost. Read on, brother. Piercing even to the what? The dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So why am I preaching this today? First of all, I want to say to you, the word must be preached so that it can divide between spirit and soul. God can so separate us from this soulish, fleshly man that the spirit of God awakens and is aware of what's going on spiritually. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Hallelujah. Until God delivered you and in his deliverance, he separated you for just a moment to give you faith to believe. Well, first of all, let me back up here. He allowed you to see and experience the things of the Spirit for just a moment so you can see how enjoyable it is. And there are people that are touched by God, but they say, you know what, I want to go back to that because I want that soul and that flesh better than I want that touch of God. Let me tell you, when God did that to me, when, oh, when He did that to me, stand up, Kyle. Turn around. Okay? Imagine this is Jonathan Skiles. He looks just like me. Amen. 
flesh and soul and even the devil was like this around me. But for one second, I couldn't raise my hands. I couldn't experience freedom bound by the enemy. But what God did was, by His Spirit, He began to invade that part of my life. And what happened is He said, hands off, soul and flesh, just remove. And then I was able to experience freedom and the Spirit of God lifting those hands in the air and worshiping God. That's what happens when you get born again. Sometimes people only get spirit touched, not spirit born. But we need to get spirit born. And God wants to do that in our life. And so, that's why the word must be preached. Because it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides and separates spirit and soul. So that you can think and realize there's a spiritual realm and this is how I connect with God in my spirit, not in my soul. Amen? Amen? Now, this is why we need the Word of God. It gives us the answer to error and tragedy right there in Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. The tragedy of not living in the promise of rest, which is what he says in 11. So I swear in my wrath... They shall not enter into my rest. And he says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. That's why you need the living word. So it can decipher and separate from soul and spirit so you can wake up, Hebrews, and you can see that the God that was of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God through all the Old Testament of David and of Elijah and Elisha. He is the God that sent His only Son to bring truth to you. And when it was preached to you by Jesus, you said, we be of Abraham's seed. And He said, if you... He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And the truth is that I am... You're looking at who was here before Abraham even was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. That was a truth that punched him right in the face. And they were brought to a place where they had to realize, you know what? I'm either going to obey and separate myself even from old traditional law and when I say law, I don't mean morals. I mean rules and working my way to heaven. I'm going to only walk in the spirit. I'm only going to, I'm, 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 I'm open and I'm, I'm, I'm laid plain and bare that I can feel the spirit of God for once in my life. I feel this has happened, this experience. He was preaching to them. That's what he was saying to them. And he was trying to separate soul and spirit so he could reveal to them truth. Because did he not say, you must know the truth and the truth shall set you free? Amen. 
The word divide soul and spirit reveals, exposes to us what is flesh and body and soul and what is spirit. The word separates, divides the two so that we are free of our spirit. We are free or our spirit man is alive and free to connect with God and understand spiritual possibilities. My example is the Samaritan woman. She was bound up in gratification of the body. Senses. People say, well, she was trying to be religious too. Yeah, but she was. She was, she was a, the epitome of somebody whose flesh was living for living, trying to fulfill whatever gratification and satisfaction in the flesh. She was also a person that had some spiritual perception, but a, she was in error and wrong. And Jesus corrected it all, and he stepped into her world that day and separated soul and flesh and spirit so that she could experience God in such a powerful way. Well, Pastor, I, you know, I don't know that she was really totally given over to her flesh. And uh, hello, she's married five times. And the man she was shacking with wasn't her husband. I think she had a little problem, a big problem, trying to fill her life and satisfy this flesh. Because see, until somebody knows the kind of experience in the spiritual realm, they live their life in the flesh to the fullest because they don't know any different. And she was also a very, I'll say, spiritually intelligent person because she knew enough about the Jews that they worship in Jerusalem. And she said, we worship in this mountain. And, we, and Jesus told her something. I love it. Not only did he deal with the flesh, but he dealt with that soul that was confused and in error. Stay here. I'm going somewhere. The context was her soul had religious thinking and activity working also. And Jesus told her, he said, you're so confused you don't even know what you worship. You worship you know not what. I don't worship a what. I worship a who. Amen. I worship a who, not a what. And he said unto her, you're so confused. You don't even know what you worship. Even though you think you worship. But he said, the Father seeks such to worship him in spirit and in truth. Not in religion and in error or in the soul. There's people that come to church and their worship is strictly soulish. <laughs> It's not spiritual. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you get born again, you are free and you worship God. When you've been touched by God, you can't help yourself. He said, the Father seeks such to worship Him in spirit and in truth, not idols like men or religion or the pride of spiritual recognition, Buddhism, I was last night or yesterday, whenever, going down to Home Depot to buy something real quick. And there's a girl there. She got these things on her arm. I'd never seen anything like it. I said, what is that? She said, chakra. I thought, what? I said, I have no idea what that is. 
I mean, I've heard the name before, but I have no idea what it is. She said, well, all of these represent something that's inner healing. And she started in this dissertation. And I thought, the devil's such a liar. Amen. The devil's such a liar. He's got him so steeped in Buddhism, so steeped in these these uh, you know Middle Eastern religions and these these and, and let me tell you something. Oh, there is a spiritual power behind it, but it's not the Holy Spirit. There's only the Holy Spirit, and then there's everything else that is false. There's not in between. There's not you know good witchcraft and bad witchcraft. It's all witchcraft. Amen. There's no, you know, living on the fringe or the gray areas. No, it's either the Holy Spirit or it's false. <laughs> and I want to say something else to you. Because there's a lot of people that I've noticed, even people that left a spirit-filled environment from this church and now and in other churches where the real true spirit of God was moving. See, they've been touched by God in such a powerful way. Many people. And we've noticed, Sister Scott and I, more and more and more people on Facebook and they worship crystals. And if you are worshiping crystals, you need to get that trash out of your life and your house. Thank you, Patty. Did you hear me? And you say, well, I'm going to tell you something right now. There are people that God delivered, God touched, they worshiped God, they wept at an old-fashioned altar, they were a, a person that walked even in maybe even a limited amount of the Spirit, but they were walking in spiritual things. And because they rejected that, the devil has sold them a bill of goods and now they believe a lie. Worship in crystals to bring inner peace. I can tell you the only one that's going to bring you peace is the Prince of Peace. <clears throat> they say, well, but I feel this peace. I said, the only thing that happened is the devil, because he's lying to you, he's told a couple of them devils to leave your room. Did you all hear what I said? He told them devils to leave your room for just a moment. The devil did. Not God, the devil so you could feel this temporary feeling of peace. I can tell you something right now. I know I'm hitting a nerve because it has spread across the whole world and it's spread across Facebook occultism and crystals and worshiping crystals and all of these other things, you know, that are going on. I can tell you, church, anything that even has a spirituality and the natural about them is an error and contrary to the Word of God. There's only one Holy Spirit. There's only one, listen, there's only one safe place in the spiritual realm and it's when you're in, in alignment with God and His Spirit. Now, we must know the truth. 
The truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He's the way to the truth that will bring life. When she noticed, I want you to make notice of this. When she began to be separated from soul and flesh and really just operate in a spiritual place where God, where Christ could really deal with her, deal with the flesh, deal with trying to fill your life with something that will not fill it, dealing with religious, you know, intelligence or soulish things. Because there's a lot of people that are very religious and they'll say, I'm not in any organized religion, but I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I said, you, you don't even know what you are. You're a whack job is what you are. Amen. We know what we worship. Who we worship, not what, but who we worship. We worship Christ Jesus. And so when she began to come to really a born-again experience because her spirit came alive, then was she loosed from a life of sin and flesh the sins of the soul, and awakened in the spirit to really know God. It's called being born again. She was so alive to the spirit of knowing who God is, she left her water pot and went and ran into the city and said, oh my God, something has taken place in my life. I've, I'm, I've got born again, is what she was saying. I met the Messiah. I believe in him. In order for me to be so excited about him, I have to believe in him. For God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten son to die for the sins of humanity that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What does that say to us? It's one thing that takes place when God really births a man or a woman in the spirit. Their life changes. Now listen. As we grow in our spiritual life. Listen church. Listen saint. Listen child of God. As we grow, we live and walk in the Holy Spirit. It's our new existence and it's so beautiful and it's so awesome. But if we are not careful, life's events can very easily blur the lines and we can fall back into the soul-spirit mixture. It happens often when emotions and intellect and our reasoning or logic override or affect our spirit man. One of the things that takes place is that people mesh victimhood with spiritual things or the spirit and they live their life grounded instead of living it abundantly. I'm not beating you over the head because you came through a, a life of victimhood or something happened to you. But church, listen. Listen, God wants to come. He wants to touch your life. And he says, all right, you were a victim. Let's deal with that. Let's see you healed and then get up. Get up and walk with God in the spirit. But people 
people are 15 years and they still come back to the victim, rejection, all of these things. Get the victory and walk in the spirit. You know I'm preaching to you. Folks, I got compassion for people who have been victimized. I went through it, but I'm not going to stand today and preach off of the platform of victimhood. I'm not going to preach off of the platform of the emotions of victimhood or the emotions of anything else. I'm going to stand upon the Word of God that says I have been separated from that soul and that flesh and I'm walking in the Spirit of God. What does the devil do? Things happen and we always go right back over to that. I'm going to tell you, they're going to come, they're going to happen. What you do in that moment says what you got, says what you choose. Oh, my God in heaven. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got Bible. I got tons of Bible. Let me say this again. When emotions and intellect and reasoning or logic, which is our soul, those are internal things. I was left and abandoned by my dad. I've got this gaping wound. Okay, it happened. It wasn't because of your sin. But if you don't move forward past that, you are not thriving in the spirit. You are meshing soul and spirit together. And you're not thriving in the spirit. You're pulling down what you could potentially impossibility be and have. Genesis 17, 18. Abraham said, when God told him, you're 99. I'm going to tell you. At 99, he did not have the strength. He did not have the ability. He was old to produce a child. We're all adults in here, right? I mean, he, he you know, as much as Sarah was just a beauty queen, nothing was working anymore. And God told him, you're going to have a son. It's a promise through you and Sarah. And what did Abraham say? Oh, that Ishmael might live. I didn't just make that up. That's Genesis 17, 18. Oh, that Ishmael might live. And God said, no, no. 
My covenant promise is not in the flesh. It's in the spirit. Even though you want to drag and attach the promises and covenant to the flesh, are you hearing me? I'm preaching better than you're shouting. What he was saying is, I'm, I, I know you said that, God, but I'm not going to live in that. I'm not going to strive for that. I'm not going to pursue that and thrive in the promise that could be. I'm going to hold on to my flesh and the mistakes and all that Ishmael may live. Instead of coming down here to that altar and saying, God, I've been hurt for 20 years. Why does this always seem to happen to me? Why am I always at this place? God is saying, you're saying, oh, that my victimhood would live. Hallelujah. My God. Who you must Jesus, 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 hallelujah, almighty God, almighty God, God was trying to bring Abraham into a spiritual covenant promise. Yet he wanted God to bless his fleshly mess that he didn't realize he was trying to spiritualize. I always heard my brother Clendenin die to the flesh, die to self, crucify it. I'm going to go even deeper here. Oh, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I always heard Die to your flesh. Die to yourself. Crucify it. Amen. It's in the Bible. Mortify the deeds of your flesh. Bring them under subjection. Flee fornication. Shun the very appearance of evil. But Paul took it deeper. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ lives within me. The Spirit of God is flowing out of me. The Spirit of God is living out of me. Christ is living, not me. Not my flesh. Not my soul. Christ is seen. I never realized how easy it is in all my years to allow the devil to use our flesh and our soulish ways to affect our spirit. And not even realize how wrong it is. It's wrong not because necessarily we're sinning if we don't know. But it's wrong because it doesn't give God the glory for what he purchased. 
if my boys went out into drugs and alcoholism and a debauched lifestyle, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'd be in their face and I would say, you know what? I spent my whole life raising you. My wife and I, we lived before you as godly as we could. We prayed. We didn't live hypocritical lives. Yeah, we had things in our life that we dealt with, that areas of our life of failure and mistakes. But who do you think you are? After I invested all of this my whole life to go out there in that world and live like God doesn't exist. Ought to kick your rear end up between your shoulder blades. But you know what? I put and she put that into them. Their youth pastors put that into them. Their young adult leaders put that into them. Children's church put that into them. And when you raise up a child and train them up in the way that they should go, when they're old, they'll not depart from it that's why you're here today Hannah that's why Patty's here today that's why these kids are here today amen that's why you're here today Delia because of Katrina Boyd poured into your life that's why you're here that's why you're here that's why you're here today do you understand me it's why you're here today I ain't done. Listen. God must separate the two in our life. Soul, spirit. Okay? And when I say soul, really the body is just a, a cart behind the soul. It's the manifestation of senses. Okay? But God must separate the two in our lives if we're going to be free. And as Christians, listen, you will only climb up out of the tragedy and storms as a Christian. As a Christian. You will only rise up or climb up out of tragedies, storms, trials, and your past in victory when you do not allow the soul and the flesh to be hanging on to you. And you will live at a place of false spirituality if you do not separate the two. My examples are Elijah and Job. Elijah saw a great miracle and God answered by fire. Not a greater prophet, in my opinion, in the Old Testament that saw God move in such a way. Yet he found himself, after the greatest move of God, running and under a juniper tree having a pity party. And it wasn't the fear of old Jesse. People go, oh yeah, he was running. I've heard preachers say that. He was running from Jezebel. I said, well, 
She threatened his life. But just remember this. There was threats long before that. Obadiah hid a hundred prophets in the caves. And whenever he saw Elijah, he said, oh my God in heaven, don't you realize that by the very fact that I saw you, if I tell Ahab, my head's going to be on a platter. He said, go tell him. I want to meet him. Are you listening to me? So, yes, there was the fear and the threat of Jezebel, but let me tell you from his own mouth why I know that it was more than that. As he sat under that juniper tree, the power of God came down. He just slew 4,000 of Baal's prophets, Jezebel's prophets, who, by the way, is a mixture of everything. Jezebel was okay to a certain degree with the God of Israel, but she meshed them with every other religion. If you'll call it ecumenical or just whatever, she had coexist on the back of her chariot. say well you know I believe we can all coexist I'm going to tell you right now there's only one name under heaven by which man can be saved it's Jesus there's only one true God Jesus God the Father God the Son God the Holy Ghost so it was not the fact that he was in fear of Jezebel alone. As much as it was the emotions of the lack of results or response of Israel. He said we had one of the greatest moves of God. We saw 400 prophets of Baal thrown over the hill and killed. We dealt with false religion. We dealt with reality and manifestation and visitation of God. He answered by fire. He broke through the water that was underneath that trench, underneath that altar, and the fire broke through it. God moved. Nothing could quench God's love for His people. So he finds himself sitting under the juniper tree. And what does he say? He says, God kept telling him, Elijah, get up. He fed him, gave him strength. Get up. He kept ministering to him, kept coming to him. I want you to see all of the revelation here. What did he say? He said, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm the only preacher. I'm the only person that responded. I'm the only one. And God said, no, you're not. There's 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. Okay? Okay? So what he was saying is, buddy, 
You saw me answer by fire, but just remember this. I'm the one that gives the increase. I'm the one that revives. And sometimes people need to be shocked into reality. And sometimes it takes them a minute or two. I've watched people come and sit in a service and God touch them, but they didn't come back for six more months and then they got right with God. So God was dealing with an inner with an inner soulish issue with Elijah and I know I'm telling you the truth because what happened when he was in the cave the fire the lightning the earthquake he saw or felt like God was in all of that but he said no sir it's that still small voice listen to me Listen to me. Don't get caught up in emotional experiences that are contrary to the Bible. Let me say this to you, and I'm saying it as your pastor. I'm your pastor. I'm your pastor. Christians cannot be demon-possessed. Christians... Walking in the spirit cannot be demon possessed. Now the devil may try to torment them. He may bring a spirit of fear or a spirit of, of, of you know, depression or something like that. But church, Christians cannot be demon possessed. It's a lie from the pit of hell to lead anybody to believe that because it's contrary to the word of God. Light has no fellowship with darkness. And see what happens is people, they only go off of their experience and not the word of God. And the word has to line up to your experience. Or it's false. Or it's deception. It's sincere deception. I know God delivers people. And he sets them free. You say, well, pastor, what something either happened and they went back to something? Because people are like, well, they were in church for three or four years, five years, ten years, whatever. And then this, I'm going to tell you right now, church, we open ourselves up and we crawl back into that where the spirit meshes with the flesh and the soul. And then it brings confusion, not freedom, confusion. And God's not the author of confusion. And so let me just tell you right now, I don't care who's on YouTube, who you listen to, I am your pastor. And whenever they confuse you like a termite in a yo-yo, guess who you come back to? Me. And then I have to go through and fix all of the stuff that you opened up yourself to listen to. Say amen, Mida. I know you're swole, my God. Pastor, I'm not mad. I'm mad at the devil. Because I'm tired of God's people being confused at a place. And God said, I mean, he showed me that one thought. You have to separate all the scriptures that talk about separation. Let me show you something in Jude. Jude 19. Not the chapter, the verse. But when he's talking about the people who walk after their own lust. Their mouth speaks great swelling words. 
having many persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves on the flesh, soul side. Sensual, having not the Spirit. Well, we do have the Spirit. And we walk in the Spirit. And we cannot allow that soulish man to pull us down and confuse us. So, let me say this to you. Because I want to clarify something here. Not I want to say clarify. I want to add something to what I was talking about, Elijah. Warfare, warfare affects you in a way that is like nothing you've ever experienced before. Okay? When you step into that place where you're, you are treading on the enemy's territory, he's going to swoop in. Higher levels means higher devils. He's going to swoop in and he's going to say, okay, I can't just touch him with a lust for a woman that he sees walking across this crosswalk. He's past that. I got to go in here to some deep confusion and, 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 you know, give him a spiritual experience that he don't understand. But I'm going to tell you something right now. God touches us. I am not for one second going to shut down the spirit of God. I know the power, the reality, and the fruitfulness of it, the blessedness of it. But if you think the devil will not step in and try, even in the midst of spiritual experiences that we have, and try to confuse us, he has to step into another level to get you off. And I'm tired of people walking through the door feeling like, am I oppressed? Am I a devil possessed? Am I? I'm going to tell you something. If you're living in sin and you've opened yourself up, you've given the, the enemy access to you. But if you're walking before God, you're living before God, but you're just going through something, do not let that devil dictate the narrative. Amen. The opposite of that, let me just say this. Elijah, Moses, when he smote the rock, David numbering Israel, Paul even getting rid of John Mark, but then later on having him come back shows that sometimes we can do things and we can, we can allow things that take place in our life cause us to not read things or discern things the way that they really are and they should be. Job, on the other hand, who had a different set of circumstances, same devil, however, kept his spirit as separated from the influence of his soul and his body because he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I'm clearly settled in that. He took it away. But I'm not going to change my feeling about God. When God takes things away from people, they go, you know what? Why should I serve God? Look what he did to me. I've had people say, I prayed and God didn't answer my prayer. And so I'll never go back to church. I said, when you live in your soul, then what you do is you put expectations from your own will upon God. 
But he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Even when his wife said, because you know the devil always sends people to confirm how you feel. Or the feeling that God wants you to have. Why don't you just curse God and die? You lost everything anyway. He said, you speak like a foolish woman. She said, you hold on to your integrity. Or you hold on to the integrity with God. He said, you speak like a foolish woman. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Though he slay me, I will trust him. I'm not going to give up. Though my body go into the dirt and decay and worms eat it. What does that mean? Time may scream. Uh, may scream to me, where is your God? Faith and hope. Time will take place and will say it didn't happen. It never happened. It hasn't come to pass. But let me share something with you. You and I cannot be bound up even with God not moving in our time frame. Because he said, though my body go to the dirt, the worms eat it, I know my Redeemer liveth. What he was saying is he's alive and he's continuing to live and he lives, he lives. And I know that no matter, even if my body goes in the grave, I know that one day I will see my God. Look, church, God's trying to mature us in all things and reveal how much the soulish things stifle and hamper us. We will rise up in the spirit or focusing on our spirit man and abandon every influence of soul and flesh or we will live defeated. That's why Paul said in Galatians, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Why can I not seem to get the victory? You're not living in the spirit. You're allowing that soul and that flesh to come over. I'll just call it soul, emotions, intellect, the thoughts of that inner man that the devil begins to just kind of influence. Because what he says to you is you need to put more emphasis upon your emotions and how you feel than what God says and what God's going to do. Amen. But he said that, and here's the answer. I've wanted God's people who have been spirit-filled, almost feel devil-possessed or oppressed. And I want you to know, as I said a while ago, I'm reiterating this because I already spoke it, but I can tell you, he says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, that we're not children of Belial. Oh, I got to read it. I got to read it. I've only got a little bit left here. Do not let me lose you. Stay here with me. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, it says this. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Be careful who you hang out with. Because you'll be in a vulnerable moment. And they'll swoop in and say, You know what? You need a crystal. You know what you need to do? You need to buy some sage. Ooh, yeah. And just burn it and let it flow through your house. Get rid of all of the evil spirits. Come on. Let me save you some money on sage. It stinks anyway. Amen. And begin to plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood over this door. I've opened up that door in my house 
And I said, devil, I don't know where you came from or how you got here, but get out of my house. Get out of my house. It's God's house and the blood's over the doorpost and you can't come in here. God, by his grace, will cause you, listen, oh my God in heaven. I got to finish reading this. Listen, oh my Lord, thank you, Jesus. Stay here with me. This is going to be a bestseller, I know. <laughs> he said, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? You know, when people start talking about all the negative things instead of listening to God's word, how they can overcome. And you'll start talking to them, but they always want to go back. They always want to go back. And you're never going to walk in the fullness of the power of the Spirit in your life until you separate that. And you say, you know what? I'm not going to speak about my victimhood. I'm not going to speak about my past. God said, I've heard enough of it, Jonathan. Stop. Don't get up there anymore and say that one more time. Time. You talk about what I've done in your life. You stand upon the platform of the Spirit of God operating in your life. You're not a victim anymore. You're not rejected anymore. You're not an orphan anymore. <clears throat> he said, What concord hath Christ with Belial or the devil? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Amen. Just remember that word part in 1 Corinthians 13. We all have a part. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. I'm sorry. Jesus help me. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I will be their God, they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And this is what's so beautiful. And will be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God, by His grace, as we begin to listen to the exhort, receives us, gives us comfort of a father, Gives us relationship of son and daughter. By God's grace, he will cause you to get up on the inside. I'm closing, Lord. Ben Okello came up to me and he gave me a word and he said, you're an orphan. But God hasn't called you to be a spiritual orphan. You've lived your whole life. 
And all of this myriad of rejection, God, I mean, the enemy made sure it was not just one rejection, but it was one right after the other, after the other, after the other. It was parental. It was friend. It was many relationships. And he said, you have been like a spiritual orphan. He said, but God is going to remove you and remove that curse. He used that word from you today. Oh, I felt it when it left. It wasn't possession. It was just something that had me tied down. It was that soul hanging on to the spirit. And God said, I'm separating you today. That's where this message came from. God couldn't speak that word to me till he was ready or I was ready to come under a covering of a spiritual father. That's why I'm getting ordained by Lee Ship. He's been pouring into me a reality in God, God's love, God's grace. I mean, he sat there at that coffee shop and said to me, Jonathan, you're never going to set anybody free by always sharing all of your rejection in your life. You're going to set them free by telling them the hope is in Christ and living in that place of superiority and spiritual things. Life. Life. I'm going to share this and I'm going to close. 2000, no. Well, it had to have been 2003 at least because I had my Monte Carlo. <laughs> she hates Monte Carlos. I love them. Amen. Amen. Always have. But I remember my little brother. He's about 16. 15. We went out. We had been away from my dad. Not a relationship there. Just kind of top water, impersonal. And I'm not sharing this as a victim. I'm sharing this as a victory. So listen to me. Because the day that this happened is the day that God really truly liberated me but I had saw my little brother playing one of my dad's guitars he said dad gave this to me I thought he's holding a thousand dollar tailor he don't even play the guitar he can't even I'm just sitting there and I'm going that's like putting a Corvette in a 15 year old's hand hmm. here I'm playing give my life to the Lord preaching using my talents for the ministry and here's this guy sitting here and bragging about his guitar. I got in the car and that just... <laughs> I went to prayer. I cried my eyeballs out. I said, God, the one thing that I've always wanted, I just want something from my dad. Just something. And I cried and I wept and I cried and I prayed and I boo-hooed my eyeballs out and I got up from there. Well, let me say this. When I was in prayer, I said, God, 
I'm asking you specifically to speak to my dad's heart to give me one of his guitars. I don't care if he picked it up at San Ysidro on his way back from Mexico from one of those vendors. I want something that was his. I wanted that so bad. That emotion. That feeling. Because I'm connecting that with my spiritual man. My spiritual altitude. Okay? And place. Eight months later, a year later, I go out to my, that had to be a couple years later, Terry Vernon got married. And I was, in, I was at his wedding. Before the service, my dad, he's showing me around his church. <clears throat> I'm looking at his church. He says, come in my office. He said, I'd like to talk to you. So I went in there. And he said, son, first of all, when I prayed and asked God to lay it on his heart, I asked God, you lay it on his heart. I'm not going to ask him. He said, son, God's been dealing with me. He said, Lord's been talking to me. I want to give you a guitar. And he pulled that guitar out. He put it on the counter. There was a Fender Strat, not Stratocaster, Telecaster, American Standard with humbuckers. You don't know what humbuckers are, but I'm going to tell you. It's like buying an F-150 that's lifted and got a lift kit and got big old tires and got all this other, you know, embellishments and extra things, you know. And I'm looking at that guitar and I'm going... Man, he said, it's probably about a $1,500 guitar. And I'm going, mm-hmm. He said, God spoke to me to give it to you. And he said, I want all my kids to have something of mine. And I thought, well, that was very nice of him. He has 45 guitars. Glad he gave me one. He gave me way more than that. I love my dad. I love my dad. I love my dad. My dad's a great man. He's a good man. He's a godly man. He's a Holy Spirit-filled man. I don't want to ever want to cast a shadow over him. Because I love him, number one. Number two, God said I'm supposed to honor him. And he has done things in my life that would warrant honor. He said, take that guitar out, put it in your car. Get back in here. Wedding's going to start in 10 minutes. <clears throat> so I took my Fender Telecaster out, opened up the trunk of my Monte Carlo. I picked it up and I put it down in there. I'm looking at that Fender tag and the Holy Spirit come upon me. He said, Jonathan, he said, first of all, I want you to know that I can talk to your dad. He's way more spiritual than you thought he was. Number two, he hasn't forgotten you, and he loves you. Or he wouldn't have done that. But he loves me because he obeyed me. He said, but greater than that, I heard you 
And when God said that to me, it's like he separated that soulish emotion and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, Lord, you heard me. You heard me. You didn't just kind of answer my prayer. You answered every part of everything I said, and you revealed even greater than that. This great spiritual connection that I was wallowing in my flesh and my soul and mixing it with the spirit and constantly bringing it down. And he said, no, I did that because not to respond to your soul and your flesh, but I did that in answer so that you would be awakened to this great connection of the spirit you can have and you should have. Don't go back there again and let those things pull you back into that because I want you to walk in the spirit because you're not going to help anybody in you but in me flowing through you. Man, ever since that day, I've been serving the Lord and God healed my heart. I mean, he healed my heart. He did a miracle in my heart. But he wanted to do something of maturity in me alongside of that. That's what I'm talking about today, church. And I don't know where you're at, how this message ministered to you, but I preach what God told me to. And this morning, I want us all to have an opportunity to pray. And you know what? I already told the Lord, and I'm telling him now in my heart. I told him, I, I, I'm not going to be worried about results. I'm not going to be worried about who's going to be in that altar. Whoever's in the altar, whoever prays, whoever it affects, is up to you, God. 